Welcome to the OT Lifestyle Movement. This is for the occupational therapy visionaries and the ones who see things differently. We're moving our profession forward through living and leading a truly holistic lifestyle. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the OT Lifestyle Movement. I'm Rhiannon Crisp, occupational therapist, personal trainer, and founder of OTLifestyleMovement.com. For all the greenies, the wild life warriors, the earth-loving OTs out there, this episode is for you. Today, we are diving deep into nature. We're talking about how you can incorporate it into your therapy and the evidence that supports your work in this area. We are speaking with Bronwyn Painter. Bronwyn is a nature-loving occupational therapist with 25 years experience supporting people to participate in the things they need, want, and have to do in their everyday lives. She has a passion for the evidence about how nature supports our health and well-being, particularly for people in an urban environment. She is the founder of Flourish, which is a nature-based OT service based here in Australia. Welcome, Bronwyn. Hello. So awesome to have you with us, Bronwyn. I'm excited to soak up all your knowledge and wisdom and your insight. Before we dive into it all, though, we always hit the rewind button and I'd love to learn a little bit about your story. So if you can, can you take us back and let us know how you arrived at where you are today? <laughs> when you said 25 years, I mean, obviously I gave that to you, but I was trying to do the maths. I'm thinking, oh, I think it's longer than that. So um, I, I um, graduated as an occupational therapist in 1993. And so I studied at the University of South Australia um, with Anne Wilcock as the head of school. And, um, you know, I've really returned to her writings in the last sort of three or four years. And I love it because it just affirms the kind of OT that I am and how I work in OT. So um, I like to say that I've never worked in the health system. Um, so I'm a health professional that's never worked in the health system, which um, I really love. So I've worked predominantly in the employment sector, um, working for large employers. And my passion in that area is creating healthy, safe, engaging work that's good for people. So in our culture, you know, paid employment is highly valued. And um, I think that occupational therapists have an enormous amount to add to making work good for people. Um, and equally, you know, when things go wrong and there's workplace injury or, um, you know, illness that impacts people's ability to work, then, you know, we're in a great position to, to support them to continue to engage with work. Um, so I've worked for a lot of years. Um, for um, I started with the Commonwealth Rehabilitation Service, which, um, you know, I know many OTs have started there in, in the world of work. Um, uh, worked for Victoria Police for a couple of years, um, which was kind of overwhelmingly challenging. Um, working, you know, working with people with um, significant things that impact um, their ability to work and um, and be healthy and safe at work. Um, and then I worked for 15 years on and off for um, an electricity distributor in New South Wales. So I've worked in three states in sort of capital cities and and regional areas um, and. So this role with the electricity distributor was pretty much my dream job really and um, saw my work evolve from just kind of the basic 
injury management in the workplace to um, expanding more into work health safety, um, preventing injury and also workplace wellbeing. So over a period of years, we developed a, a health team um, and really embedded ourselves in, in the structure of the organisation so that each region had um, a safety advisor, a health advisor, you know, and a, a team of people supporting, um, supporting the network. And so that was a place where we could be really creative and innovative and had funding to, um, you know, do a lot of things that really made a difference to people's lives. Um, I have worked, I, I have had one public sector job um, for a short period of time at, um, in our mental health directorate in, in South Australia. And then I, I still have a job now as well as my business. So um, I've worked for quite a few years for a um, community pharmacy organisation where I manage work health, safety, return to work and wellbeing. But none of that is about nature really. I'm not trying to weave it in where I can, but um, you know, the nature side of things happened for me probably um, around 2017 where I, um, I got to a point where I really just wanted more in my work. Um, I still, you know, I still love the work that I do in sort of corporate, corporate settings, but just for me and me in my work, I, I wanted things that lit me up um, and that helped me feel good. So I, um, I was actually really depressed at the time, to be honest. Um, I don't, I don't like to use the term burnout. Um, I don't know why, but I just don't like it. So, but honestly, I was, I was actually just really depressed and quite anxious and um, struggling with just always feeling like there's more to do um, in my work. And um, I kind of just, I wanted to just, I wanted to spend more time outside, you know, I was working full time um, and especially in winter, that whole thing where you leave work in the dark and you get home in the dark and you don't leave the office, it's sort of like, I don't think this is how I want to spend my time. Um, so I resigned from my job and I, I am, um, I will say what I just said to you before. So I, I was kind of in this place also where I was really questioning how OT I was um, and questioning my OT-ness and whether I was really doing this occupational therapy thing properly, you know. So like I'd worked for almost 20 years, but I still felt like I was trying to work, you know, work that side of it out. And I had people in the workplace sort of question that like you know directly question me well like this is not occupational therapy like you know I can do this as a human resources advisor and I'm like well yeah like it might look the same but it's not um but that actually really you know that kind of feedback from other people then turned into myself talk about like maybe I'm not an OT <laughs> and um so I went to work for Marilyn Patterson, who was the, um, who is still the um, president of the World Federation of Occupational Therapists, because I thought if anyone can, you know, show me how to be an OT, surely, surely this is my place. Um, and it was really challenging. It was really challenging because um, I'd sort of been in this world of employment for a very long time. And then now this was a more clinical setting. And, um, you know, I wanted to be there and I wanted to be around other OTs. And... I learned a lot, but 
probably the most valuable thing that I learned was that I, I had a certain perspective about occupational therapy and, um, and what we can offer to not just individuals, but to organisations and communities and populations and that that actually was where I was most comfortable working. Um, and while I was there, I started to sort of experiment a little bit with the nature the nature kind of stuff. Um, outside of work, I did a little community kind of eight-week program called Living Smart, which is about living sustainably. And um, that was kind of my first thing that I felt really excited about connecting with those values again. Um, and then I enrolled in a graduate certificate in permaculture design, um, which is, again, something that I'd, you know, been passionate about for more than 20 years. And I just... It was the first thing I'd ever done in my life where I thought, I'm just going to pursue this and I don't know where it's heading, but I love it. Um, and it was sort of the first thing where I really followed my instincts about what was important to me. And um, during that, I came across um, this thing, nature and forest therapy guiding. And so I did um, some training with an American association in that. And then... Um, started working like it was actually really transformational the training just spending time in kind of deep nature connection in a really um, evidence-based kind of deliberate model and then I just went this is it this is what I need to do like I feel best in nature um, I had spent a lot of time in my uni course researching nature um, and you know, really read so much evidence that I just was like, how can we not work with nature? Like if we, as occupational therapists, are not including nature in some way, we're actually not providing the best evidence-based service is kind of where I got to. Um, so, yeah, then I created my business to connect people with nature um, and, and now really to work with occupational therapists to, to share that, um, you know, with the profession and, and help people, help people get from that place of I love nature to what can I do with it as an OT with my clients? Yeah. Wow. You've just taken That's us on quite a journey. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And I love how authentic and vulnerable you are in expressing this because I know so many of us have been on a similar path. Um, you've had all these different diverse roles as an OT you sort of started soul searching and wondering what you're doing and where you're headed and mm. whether OT is right for you. Are you providing the best service? And then you sort of went under someone's wing who showed you <laughs> what it was like. And, and, and this is when we get these ideas and inspiration. And then you had this calling to follow your heart and to really reconnect or connect mm. with your purpose and, it's really brought you to this bigger vision that you're painting for us all in terms of nature and OT and how we can really incorporate it into our work and our lives as well. So thank you for sharing that. Let's, let's dive into the nature side of things. So can you talk to us then about what are the therapeutic benefits of nature? What effects does nature have on us as human beings? Um, well, we are nature, you know, people are nature. We're not apart from it. We are a part of it. Um, I think that's, you know, that's where I like to start with this. And um, 
you know, wherever we are, there's an ability to connect with nature because we can connect within, you know. Um, and I think particularly in this whole kind of COVID pandemic period where there's people who have really restricted access to, you know, get outside or go anywhere, um, it can be reassuring to realise that there are different ways of connecting with nature and it's not just about being outside necessarily either. Um, so... Um, you know, the other, the other thing I like to share is the theory of biophilia, which is, um, you know, occupational therapists, we, we believe that um, meaningful, purposeful engagement in occupation is critical to people's health and well-being. And biophilia is sort of a, a theory that we can layer that with, which is that humans are innately attracted to natural living things. And the biophilia theory talks about um, human evolution, really, that, you know, we've evolved through thousands and thousands of years in nature and with nature. And so our bodies respond to nature um, and it's been a survival mechanism. You know, we need to know how to um, notice the weather, keep safe, um, know what, you know, plants are safe to eat, um, to respond to, um, you know, to understand animals, to read kind of bird language, to you know, learn about our environment through observation um, and being connected through our senses. So biophilia is, um, you know, is a, is a really important part of explaining why nature is so therapeutic um, because we're, our bodies are tuned into it. And so, um, you know, there's lots of evidence, lots of research about many different layers of nature connection, um, including, you know, starting from just being around green space. So there's some really cool evidence um, where they've looked at um, satellite mapping of, um, there's a study that was done in Japan looking at just green space and where people live and tracking health outcomes um, and, and obviously controlling as much as they can for other factors. But um, you know, an association between living in greener forested areas with better health outcomes um, with things like cancer, cardiovascular disease. Um, so it can be as simple as, you know, where, where we live. Mm. And like you said, it's the physical effects that nature can have on us. So like reducing blood pressure, our heart rate, muscle tension, um, relaxing us and even mm, the mental mm. state of us as well mm, um, absolutely yeah there's a lot of studies on that as well even i know there's a few studies with kids with adhd going out into nature has proven like a walk around the block has proven to calm and calm them down and make them more attentive um, mm. yeah there's there's just a plethora of research out there and i feel like we don't need this plethora of studies oh. confirming what we already know is innately good for us that being mother nature talk to us about the evidence behind nature then because there'll be ot's out there going i suppose am i just weaving nature into my work is it nature-based therapy what are some of the words that you describe as your practice and what's the evidence that we can use um there is so much evidence and you're right. It's like so many things and so much of the work that we do is um, like, it's just so obvious. It's the same, you know, when I work in work health safety and people say to me, but it's just common sense. I'm like, it's not common sense, you know, like um, it's also for me about building our own belief and um, 
you know, it's that whole art and science of occupational therapy. Like it is a science. And, um, you know, for me, I, this is just my process, but I've certainly found this, you know, applies to a lot of other OTs, is I really needed to be um, certain of the evidence just to build my own confidence. Like it may or may not have looked any different in terms of what I was doing, but to build my confidence and my belief and my um, ability to talk about it and use the language, um, you know, I just, I love reading literature basically. I just will just go down rabbit holes. Um, but that's what brings us to a place of knowing that we're practicing from an evidence-based evidence um, position. And, and the other thing I, would like to say about evidence is that you know there's different forms of evidence so there's the peer-reviewed scientific literature that's all cool but we all know how limited some of that is and you know we don't see a lot of um, um you know clinical trials with um you know placebo control groups or whatever in occupational therapy because it's not the work we do so you know there's the peer-reviewed literature um there's, but it's about our clients, you know, it's about client-centred practice. And so it's about what's the wisdom and experience that they bring to, you know, to our intervention. And then there's our clinical reasoning. So, and our lived experience is part of that. Um, so, you know, our, our embodied knowing of nature is, is part of that. And so for me, it's that whole combination of, of those three things to, to get to a place of knowing that, um, you know, working in with and for nature is is evidence-based um so i like i've got my little cheat sheet here this is just my little summary that i did probably a couple of years ago of of what there is evidence for and i mean like all evidence you can critique it um but i'm just going to run through this go for it and there's various theories about how nature works on our body, um, but something that's quite topical at the moment is, is um, a concept that it's actually our immune system that kind of modulates the effects. And so there's lots of research about the psychological benefits of nature um, in terms of reducing depression, reducing anxiety, reducing rumination, like those kind of negative self-thoughts, um, at the same time as increasing mood, increasing um, sense of vitality. So often, you know, often when you do something with people in nature, even when they're really tired, um, people actually find it quite energising. Um, and at the same time, it also calms our sympathetic nervous system and works on reducing pain and improving sleep. Um, lots of people say that to me after forest bathing. They say, I haven't slept that well for, you know, a long time. So, um, there's evidence about um, improved behaviour. Here we go. Improved behaviour in students. Um, improved impulse inhibition. And I have to say, actually, this is more an emotional. Well, no, this is relevant to psychological. When I did my forest bathing training and then started spending lots and lots of time in nature, um, I actually, like my own emotional reactivity in my job was so much better. I like to say like I didn't cry at work as much, um, but actually just less reactive to things. Um, and able, I was much more able to um, just be calmer actually, just be more chilled about life in general. Um, so it really impacts our psychological function. Um, it impacts our cognitive function. So there's, um, you know, there's, some quite good studies looking at 
time in nature improving um, attention, memory, um, even creativity. Um, I've done forest bathing sessions for artists. Um, and uh, what else? Oh, productivity. Like when we do anything in the workplace, we love a good outcome measure that shows it in increases productivity because, you know, that's good for an employer to hear. Um, that's right. And that's the thing. Like we can weave this into our everyday life and we can... Yeah. Even as OTs take our clients on a walk, you know, down the beach and that can be our session instead of having it in four walls, a yep. roof, fluorescent lighting, really Absolutely. sterile, in our professional OT get up, you know, yep. it's casual, it's, it is different. It's real, it's real. That's the thing also. And I think, um, you know, a lot of OTs say to me, oh, but like people, you know, my, my colleagues will say, oh, you're just taking them for a walk on the beach. And so... When we understand the evidence, it gives us much more ability to have those, you know, professional conversations with our colleagues and say, yes, we're going for a walk on the beach because this, this and this. And, you know, I can help the person calm down and then we can have a much better problem solving session about, you know, what's going on in their daily life because um, they're just better able to um, think. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, that's kind of the value of the evidence for me. Yeah. <laughs> And so my perspective, I work with kids on the autism spectrum and I find if I try and sit a kid down inside to do something that they don't really enjoy, whereas if I take them outside in nature and we do an activity that is more meaningful out there and we're still working on the same thing, let's say self-regulation or attention or whatever that thing is that we're working on, I'm going to get much better, much more meaningful results outside than I am inside. And mm. again, it is what's meaningful to the client. So mm. depending on what works for them, but I do definitely find that I kick more goals outside than I do inside. Yeah. And I think the, um, something else, you know, that's some, somewhat unique to nature is that it's always different and we can't control every aspect of it. And so, you know, one of the things that we're all working with people on is the ability to cope with change, um, to, you know, adapt. And so when we're outside, there's unpredictability and, um, you know, and that provides opportunity to practice those skills and reflect on those skills. Um, I told a story this morning in my, like I had a group call this morning about on my last forest bathing training, we were all set up for like, we have this little tea ceremony in it and um, we're all sitting there. And then these two dogs came, just ran through the whole thing, licked all the teacups, ate the snacks. And it's just like, oh, that's different. <laughs> were they <laughs> wild dingoes? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, they were just dogs roaming the neighbourhood. Um, but, you know, unpredictable things happen and that's life too. You know, um, I've had people reflect in sessions. I ran a session once and there was this terrible traffic noise. Like there was this big construction thing happening and it was so loud. And I felt like the whole thing was just going to be a disaster. But um, someone in the group said, you know what, this is what life's like. There's a lot of noise and this is really good for me to practice my ability to like be calm and slow amongst the noise and I just mm. was like oh that's such a great metaphor <laughs> it's so true we get to see and this is what I am all about is assessing and intervening in the real life context mm. of the client's day-to-day -day life we can take yeah. them into a clinic and see how they respond um, but we cannot replicate the real life environment. It's, it's 
the clinic is very contrived and controlled yeah. and we can have different settings for lighting and yeah. noise and all these sort of things. But outside it is that uncontrolled, unpredictable environment where we get to see, we get an mm. insight into yeah. how our clients respond and how we can better support them and come up with the strategies and adapt the environment mm. and really work with them uh, on their goals. So mm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. And so for me, so many of the goals are around how people are feeling, you know, um, the mental health side of things. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it's so much better to have those conversations in nature. Mm. Okay. So what are some of the practical ways OTs can go about running their sessions outside? Let's get some practical tips. <laughs> I want to talk to you about telehealth ways. <laughs> um, so, OTs are doing really amazing things. So, like, I've talked to um, almost 150 OTs around the world who are really passionate about nature and doing lots of different things. And so, you know, some of the things that I see and some of the things that there's certainly literature about is, um, you know, gardening, horticulture. Um, there's, um, you know, OTs running community programs, um, intergenerational gardening programs. Um, uh, like there's a group in England, um, Social and Therapeutic Horticulture, which is an OT group in palliative care. Um, I'm actually really passionate about palliative care. And um, I think at the end of a person's life, um, often their environments get so restricted. And so any ability to connect with nature in that setting, I think is really powerful. Um, and it can be, you know, it can be bringing nature indoors as well. And this is something that I'm sort of talking about at the moment with people with, um, you know, reduced ability to get out is how do we connect with nature inside? Um, how do we change the environment? How do we, um, you know, biophilic design inside, what colours do we use, what materials, what images, what smells, what textures. Um, so, you know, there's, there's all these different layers of nature, if you like, from inside to like views out of a window. Um, talking this morning about, you know, people that just never open their curtains. Um, like, is there a way to connect um, visually? Um, and then there's, uh, you know, kind of intentional use of nature, which is things like gardening. Um, so, like getting involved, collaborating with community gardens as a setting. So, um, I was talking with an OT a couple of weeks ago, talking about um, renting a plot in a community garden. So, you can, you know, a lot of community gardens will have a, a garden bed that you can pay to, you know, kind of rent and then using that as a space to take clients and have a, um, you know, kind of a a growing based um, activity, um, you know, occupation, um, harvesting food, sharing food. Um, so gardening, um, there's lots of walking, lots of walking happens. <laughs> um, lots of OTs love walking, bushwalking, um, running. So green exercise, you know, is another, um, another occupation that there's lots of evidence about. So uh, can I just stop you for that one minute? How would OTs incorporate this in their session? Would they, if it's a talking-based session, I suppose they can talk with the client as they mm -hmm. go for a walk. What are some other ideas? Is this, is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walk and talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Walk and talk. Um, when I first started, sort of started doing work with people outside, that was a conversation I had with another OT about, um, you know, when there's a challenging conversation to have with a client, um, then 
you know, let's do it in nature. Let's go. Let's go to the park. Let's do the session in the park. Um, yeah, so walk and talk. But also, um, you know, there's interesting research about the the sense of flow and, you know, where you're totally immersed in an activity that you kind of lose sense of time and the relationship between physically doing something and achieving a sense of flow. So, so the physicality of an, an activity, um, you know, enhances that. And so, um, yeah, like walking and talking, um, there's no team in my current program who was talking last week about um, a client who's, an NDIS client, um, adult, whose goal is is to engage in bushwalking. Um, you know, it was something that this person enjoyed prior to injury and now wants to get back to. And so I think there's a really big role in OT looking at how do we increase the accessibility of our clients to nature-based experiences. Um, and so she was doing, you know, an assessment on a bushwalking trail, looking at mobility, ability to kind of judge, avoid overhead um, obstacles, so using nature as an assessment setting because it's just much more varied. Mm. Um, um, there's surfing programs as OTs running surfing, <laughs> surfing the spectrum. Um, Amy, yeah, so there's a few surfing, surfing OTs internationally. Um, so, you know, it's about coming from what's important to the client, what does the client want to involve, you know, engage in, um, and then how can we apply an OT lens to that in terms of, um, you know, the person, their skills and abilities, the um, the actual activity, like, you know, how do we grade it, modify it, and the environment, how do we grade the experience in terms of the environment. Um, hmm. There's OTs doing, um, you know, adventure therapy, um, particularly out of New Zealand. There's um, Helen Jeffries, who writes a lot about adventure therapy in OT. Um, so, you know, abseiling, mountain biking, rock climbing, camping, um, there's OTs, particularly in America, there's a lot of um, paediatric OTs who run like nature camps or nature day programs. Um, there's um, OTs doing lots <laughs> yeah. of things. That's it. We're only limited by our creativity. And when mm. I think of how I incorporate nature, it's just really organically. And for me, it's a no-brainer. Mm. So the other day, I've got a little 10-year-old kid who loves skating. And I know if I take him outside and we skate, I, so I have a skateboarder. I'm not very good, but he's teaching me. Yeah, yeah. and, and how good is that? It's a meaningful occupation yeah. and it yeah. builds his confidence. And, you know, we have such, our, our connection has really developed so much more than sitting down and me with yeah. my pen and my paper on my pedestal. Yeah. I've come yeah. down to his level and it's really about, a collaboration it's really mm. working together in partnership on his goals rather mm. than me as the therapist yeah. it's, um, it's a very different approach and so yeah. we don't necessarily like we we can have the gardening and there's outdoor occupations that we do do but we can also take those indoor occupations outside yeah so just be it, outside yeah just get outside yeah. like it's yeah it's, and i i think the same about you know OTs who are working in the community doing home visits um, you know, actually just add to your assessment, like, what do you like to do outside? Do you go outside your house? Do the assessment outside, you know, sit on the front veranda and have your cup of tea. Community-based. Um, I mean, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Help people engage in their immediate environment. Um, there's also lots of OTs working with animals and, um, 
you know, like there's so much potential there, um, working with, you know, therapy dogs, horses, um, connecting people with animals when that's something that's valued for them. Um, so, you know, there's, it sort of comes back to like, how do you define nature as well? You know, working with nature yeah. is um, working in lots of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. So I think for the OTs who are thinking, you know, I can't like bushfires, I don't know camping, I don't fish, I, you know, all these, <laughs> I suppose things that come to mind. Yeah. You know, literally it can just be as simple as just stepping outside the office and yeah. sitting outside in the sunshine it under can a tree, be. Um, taking absolutely. the shoes off, planting your feet in the ground yeah. and holding your session outside, going for yeah. a walk, meeting somewhere different. And also, um, I'm really passionate about sustainable living and this is the whole permaculture thing. Um, and I think if there's an ability for us to incorporate that into our work, into our workplaces, you know, it's, it's not just what can we take from nature, how can we use nature therapeutically, it's how do we partner with nature and where's the reciprocal relationship. So what are we doing in our practice to support nature, to support the planet. And so there's so many avenues for that. Like the, the World Federation of OT has a, a statement on sustainability. Like there's some great resources. Um, the, the World Federation Bulletin, in, which was just published in June, I think, is an issue focusing on sustainability. And so, you know, we can have a role in that. Like we are influential, you know, it's that whole power structure um, whether we like it or not you know and and as much as we try and collaborate and co-create we do have a power relationship and um and you know I think it's about leading in that as well and so we can't just take from nature because we're already taking more than it can support like the population of the earth like it's the growth that happens is unsustainable so when, you know, I think there's a big part in thinking about how can we reciprocate and um, there's really great evidence that supporting people to um, develop an emotional connection with nature influences their conservation values. And so, you know, heaven knows the planet needs saving. So if we can do some of that along um, the way. You are speaking to my soul, Bromham Painter. <laughs> I am loving what you're saying. And that's it. Mama Nature just gives, 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 yep. provides, provides, provides. How can we give back to her? How can we give back yep. to this beautiful earth that we are so privileged to live on mm. and support it, you know, for generations to come and therefore have this ripple effect? There's um, and, yeah, go. <laughs> We're so excited because oh, like, no, I'm on this There's, um, There are some papers um, that uh, were published in the Journal of Occupational Science um, quite a few years ago, but they talk about a concept called eco-patient, as in ecologically sustainable occupation. And I have this PowerPoint slide that I use, and it's about how we need nature for our health and well-being. So human occupation, this is sort of about climate change as well. So climate change is the result of human occupation. So the way that humans have lived on the planet in the last two or 300 years has got us to where we are now, which is not a good place in terms of climate change. So um, this is from Wolfert as well. So like climate change is the result of human occupation. And then um, climate change is a massive health issue. Um, and so, you know, we've damaged the planet, the planet's damaging us, um, then we're sick and then we can't, you know, it's just this cycle of spiralling down. Whereas if we can reconsider our occupations, the way we live um, on a daily basis, 
the industries that we have, um, you know, the, the movement of food across the world, like COVID has really helped us focus on this. Um, if, if we can live, if we can um, engage in occupations that are sustainable, then we actually can reverse climate change and human health improve. And, you know, and we are the experts in occupation, yeah? That's what we say. So how can we influence more sustainable occupation? Um, and I'm going to go off on a whole tangent. I've actually written a blog post on this and oh. I haven't published it yet, but oh, good. I, <laughs> it, it's absolutely every, it's our everyday occupations that Ooh. can ultimately change the world. Absolutely. And so we have such an incredibly important jobs as occupational therapists to be working with people, not only on an individual level, but also on a community level, on a global level. We have so much potential and I really feel like it's untouched. Like I feel like Mm. there is so much more work for us to do. Mm. And I'm loving that we're all getting together and sharing our ideas. We're collaborating more and I'm excited to see where this takes us because I really do believe like the best is yet to come. I believe we can turn a lot of things around and it is through us that we can change the word world one occupation at a time. Oh, I like that. That's a hashtag. <laughs> so I might start to wrap it up now. I know we could speak forever, but let's head to the three rapid fire questions. Oh, I have to get my oh. answers. Hang on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> was go. there anything? Was there anything else you wanted to add? Oh, so much. Quickly. No, I, um, I <laughs> just think. I think I'm really passionate about OT scope of practice, and um, I'm all about connecting people. So, um, you know, I have a Facebook group, Nature OTs, which has like 1,100 or something nature-loving OTs. And there's conversations about sustainability, about how to work with nature, about what the evidence is. And, and you know, it is about finding our tribe and finding our community. And so um, none of us have to do this alone, really, is, is what I think. It's about finding people to collaborate with and have these conversations um, because that's where the energy comes from and then things change. So, um, yeah. Awesome. Okay, all right, let's head to the three questions. Number one, in one sentence, how do you describe OT? Oh, I missed the one sentence bit. <laughs> one word? Was that what you... <laughs> no, no. Oh. Like a, a book? In one book. Um, I, I think OT is about how we create healthy, connected communities where everyone has access to what they need to to support their well-being. Awesome. Perfect. Number two, what's one healthy lifestyle habit listeners can implement today? To pay attention to nature, to notice it in the everyday. Awesome. Number three, if you could only offer one piece of advice to OTs, what would it be? That it's okay to love your work, that it's okay if work feels exciting and energising and um, to make choices to find a way to create the work that you want to be doing. Love it. Thank you so much, Bronwyn. Where can everyone find you and connect with you? I just live on Facebook. (laughs) Social media addiction is a whole nother like podcast. Um, So Flourish Nature Based OT is my business. Awesome. And what is your group? So we can Oh the group the Facebook group is called Nature OTs Connect and Grow. 
Awesome. So we'll see you in there. And thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. That's it, guys. I hope this episode resonated with you. But more importantly, I hope that it inspires you to take action. If you haven't already, come over and join our Facebook group family where we connect and collaborate. You can find us really easy just by searching the OT Lifestyle Movement in Facebook. If you did love this episode, I'd be super grateful if you shared it. You can take a screenshot right now and share it on Instagram or on Facebook so we can connect with more amazing, like-minded, open-minded OTs. The more we share the OT Lifestyle Movement, the more we can create a ripple effect. And if you do love the podcast, please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review so we can be found more easily. That's it. Go out, create the epic change that you seek in the world because the world is ready for you. Carpe diem, guys.